Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. What a beautiful day it is to come and to worship our Lord. Would that we hear what He is saying to us this morning. Let me begin this uh, sermon with a question for us all. So please ponder this as I ask it. The question is very simple. Is it all up to us? Is it all up to us? We in the church so often, I think, have lost hold of something that Jesus was trying to teach to his disciples in this parable, the parable of the weeds. That judgment, that all things concerning the righteous and the unrighteous are not actually up to us. Let me elaborate before we get into our text. So often, uh, we as Christians fall into, if you're anything like me at least, a bit of despair and anxiety in this world. We look around, we see evil all around. We see uh, acts of violence and evil, physical acts of violence and evil brings us anxiety and despair. How long, oh Lord, what is going on? What can we do? We see evil ideologies that try to replace the truth of God in a very subtle way um, with ideologies that are born of the enemy, of the evil one. And we look around and not only do we cry out, how long, O Lord, we're usually pushed into one of two camps. And one is the camp that uh, St. Peter will, will fall into close to the end, and that is pulling out the sword and cutting off the ear. By the way, whose ear was cut off? Let me ask. Malcolm, this congregation, I know, we know your scriptures. Praise the Lord. Or you might be tempted to fall into the other camp that was Peter b- before that, and that is, I, I'm resigned. I don't, I don't know um, this Lord who you're talking about. Everything is falling apart, and I'm resigning myself. But here's the beauty in all of this. Beloved, it's not up to us. It's not up to us fully. When we reclaim the theological doctrine of the sovereignty of God over the world, then we can be at rest. And I would like to say that if we are at rest, then we can fulfill what last Sunday's parable taught us, that uh, we can become that good soil receiving our Lord even in the midst of this world where wheat and tares are coming to fruition together. It is not not all up to us. Well, by way of introduction, for those of you that missed last Sunday, we've moved now into Matthew chapter 13, a very important chapter, this third discourse that is this teaching section of our Lord. So we would do well to listen to His parables here. We heard last time the parable of the sower. One of you stopped me after church last Sunday and said, you know, you emphasize, though, not the sower, but the the soil. 
what if you called it the parable of the sown? I said, that was very, very good. I I liked it, the parable of the sown. We went through that, and now we move here to the parable of the weeds. This parable and a few others after it deal with growth in the kingdom. But I think this parable is, is, is right kind of in the middle for good reason. Because you see, Jesus himself, as he's teaching these parables in real time to his disciples, who were Jewish men that were following this Jesus, this Messiah, this rabbi, and teacher, in real time they're hearing these things and they're filtering it through their Jewish background, their understanding of what God had done and would be doing in reality. And this, this notion that our parable outlines, that there is a sower who's sowing seed in the field and the field is the world um, and that weeds and, and, and wheat are coming up side by side, the Jewish people have struggled with this concept for quite some time. This morning in Sunday school, uh, it was mentioned in the book of Judges, that, that cycle that every, things are evil around us, let us call now for a leader, a king like the other nations that will come and will judge and then we'll be just fine and of course um, that does not work out. Because it's very difficult for the Jewish people, it was at least, and is for us today in the time of the church, to live at a time in which the sons of God, the wheat, are growing up alongside the sons of the enemy. Almost indistinguishable for a time. It's difficult. But beloved, it's not all up to us. Let us look to our section here in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. This parable, like our last one, was was given to a crowd. But we know from the end of the reading that Deacon Zach gave for us, Jesus tells a little bit more, um, almost in secret, the mysteries of this parable. He interprets it, so we want to make sure that we're in line with his interpretation. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed, and Jesus said that the man who sowed the seed was the son of man. The son of man was Jesus' most, I think, beloved title for himself, at least, in all of scriptures. Going back to Daniel chapter 7, but also giving us this notion that he... The Son of Man brought our humanity to God to sanctify it. So this Son of Man is the sower. And Jesus said later on in the interpretation of this parable with his disciples that the sons of God are the seed, the wheat that grows up, the good seed, and that the field is is the what? What is the field? What does Jesus say the field is? It's the world, not the church. And I'll come to that important distinction in just a moment. So, an enemy comes. But this says here, Jesus says it is his enemy. Not some generic enemy. It is his enemy that is later by our Lord said to be the evil one, the devil. We see then there are two sowers of seed. Two seeds. Two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of the enemy. And they're both at work in the world. Both at work. Jesus' enemy comes at night sowing seeds, not of wheat, but of weeds. 
Some of you might know this already, but I think we should pause for a moment and say that these aren't generic weeds here. Um, This is Darnell. This is, um, if you grew grew up, uh, well, actually, it's here in Alabama, too, but in Oklahoma, where I'm from, remember as a kid picking what is a type of Darnell. It's kind of a false wheat, and looking at it, thinking, "This, this looks just like wheat. It looks actually technically like rye, but it's poisonous. It's no good. You can't make anything out of it. And so the enemy, when he's sowing this seed, this Darnell, this false seed into the world, and it's growing up side by side, you can't tell it apart until it finally bears its fruit. Only then can you distinguish the true from the false, the true wheat from the false seed, the false wheat, the Darnell. Jesus goes on to say, So when the plants came up and bore grain... The weeds appeared also, again, almost indistinguishable at this point. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, do you not, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? Oh, that this um, would be not only the cry of the disciples, but our cry quite often in the church, here in a different way. Lord, you sowed all the seed and the good seed in particular, how does your seed, how does the world have evil? How does the world exist? And it's not perfect yet. It's almost a cry of theodicy even in this parable here. And we know again, not just to moralize the parables, which I think is for the most part a no-no for us, but to first see that, don't you think the disciples, as they were living and being with our Lord, even through the passion and finally the resurrection and his appearance to them, that they were thinking, you've been crucified. The enemy has won. The evil sower in the world is winning. What are we to do? What are we to do? And the disciples, a la Peter with the sword, are going to say eventually what the servants in this parable that our Lord tells say. After he had said an enemy has done this, the servant said, do you want us to go and to gather them? That is to root them out, to exert our energy, our force in taking out all of the Darnell, all of this false wheat in the field that is the world. And what does the master say? Here, does he, does he charge them to do this? No. He says, wait. Would you agree with me that too often disciples of our Lord can be so, um, and I include myself, of course, in this, can be so sold out, yes, for, for holiness, for righteousness, and God's righteousness in the world that we are ready and willing, even individually, to go and to root out as much of that weed as we can find all the time at every spot in reality. And then what happens? Well, if you're anything like me, in my own garden, and I have a finite number of weeds growing, not that many, matter of fact, because my wife is really good at gardening, and I'm on my knees, it gets overwhelming very quickly, doesn't it? Have you experienced this? Trying to root out every single weed that is a son or a daughter of the enemy in life, challenging them, on what basis do they speak what they say is truth, pushing back and back, and then even trying to Um, to eradicate the weeds in the lives of your children, your spouse, your friends, and you do it so much that finally you realize you cannot 
do it all. It's not up to you. God, at the end of all things, is going to have to be the one to judge. Earlier, I said that this parable itself is not directed at the church. I want to make that very clear here. While there are implications for the church, it's not directed at the church. Jesus isn't saying that, yes, amongst the disciples there will be, you know, wheat and tares. I mean, Judas was a tare amongst the disciples, a false wheat, you might say. No, no, no. For the church, we are called to eradicate heresy. We are called to challenge those who claim to be in the church but hold heretical doctrines to do so in love. But this is not what the parable is about. It's about the world. And too often we despair when we try to go against the command of the Master, the Son of Man, to let it alone for now. Let them grow. He said to them, an enemy has done this, so the servant said, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. We as Christians can um, too often place too much stock in our own ability to judge wheat from tares and in ripping out the false wheat we can damage the true wheat the true sons and daughters of God Jesus says here in this parable no 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 don't go after the weeds lest you root up the wheat along with them and damage them their conscience let both grow together he says until the harvest and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. We've lost too often this notion of God's sovereignty and in his perfect execution of judgment and righteousness on the world. I think we oftentimes go against the command here in the parable to let them alone until God is the judge Because oftentimes we want to see that we're working and doing, and it does feel good to push back and resist the world. And again, I'm not as your priest telling you not to engage in pushing back evil in our society as an American citizen. That's good and great and holy. But as the church, we are to rest in the sovereignty of God and his perfect judgments. Think about the disciples in their life and in the early church, the martyrs of the early church. Things don't seem to be going well at all. But when they trust that God in the end of all things will bring all things right, that actually frees them to live towards God in this life. In terms of our previous parable, it frees them up to focus on tending their soil to receive the word of God that it might be planted and bear fruit 30, 60, or 100-fold in this life. Moving on quickly in our text, our section jumped down to verse 34. In verse 34, um, we read this, all these things, these parables Jesus said to the crowds, He said so in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Again, this is is a, a quote here from Psalm 78, verse 2. And Psalm 78 recounts kind of the history 
of Israel. And if you know anything about the history of Israel, they were scattered during the diaspora. They were living seeds of God, children of God in the midst of a world and seeds of the enemy, children of the devil alongside them, crying out, how long, O Lord, when are you going to execute judgment? It shouldn't surprise us then that Jesus in the form of this parable is telling the disciples and yes, us, to be patient and to wait and to trust that God is going to accomplish his purposes. Finally, this section ends with Jesus' interpretation. I've alluded to much of that earlier. Let me say a few things here in closing about the text. And it's this. The weeds, Jesus says, are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy, has sowed, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. We see again, sons of God, sons of, devil, of the devil. Uh, this notion has creeped into the church that, that um, there is a fatherhood of God to all people amongst all, um, uh, all people who have ever existed, men and women, that God is the father of all, this kind of universal fatherhood. Uh, let me push back on biblical grounds that in one sense that's true, but that's only true in a very small sense. God, um, in a way, has uh, beget all of us. We have been begotten, in a sense, and what that means is that we have been created in the image of God the Father. So in that respect, He is our Father and the Father of all men and women who've ever been created. But you see, um, there's a way in which, though, the sons of the enemy those that will reject, those that see their mission as, as antithetical to the God of the universe and to his son, these are not children of God the Father. They are sons and daughters of the devil. A dichotomy that might make us uncomfortable, one that is in fact scriptural. And then our parable, the interpretation of it closes with this. Jesus says, just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Our Lord, in His sovereignty, will judge the world, judge all who have ever lived, are living, and will live. And He does so in perfect righteousness, some to eternal punishment and damnation, in others, Jesus says, the righteous, that is, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Let me conclude with four takeaways, hopefully for each of you. Number one, and these are some, uh, some platitudes, maybe some moralisms that I think are true and good, though, that are not in contradiction to this, uh, to this parable in its first century context. The first is this. Wherever God has sown you in his world, remain and grow. Wherever God has sown you in his world, remain and grow. Do not leave. Do not flee. Be faithful. Remain and grow. Often uh, times uh, find this very funny being around clergy and then being around men or women who are in education or business or even uh, stay-at-home mothers and, and others there's this exchange that wants to happen. Oftentimes, clergy are like, you know, if I could only just be selling insurance, life would be a lot easier over here. 
If I could only be starting, you know, some type of uh, uh, business or whatever, life would be a lot easier. And then as, as, as a clergyman, you counsel your parishioners and they're saying, you know, if we could just get into ministry, things would be a lot better. And there's this back and forth. Um, grow where God has planted you. But grow with this notion in your mind that you are going to be surrounded by Darnell, by sons and daughters of the enemy, by false wheat. And your job is not to eradicate them by force, but actually to love and to live in this world and grow as God has called us all to do. Because I do think, and this is beyond the scope of this parable, that there are some, Darnell, many in fact, who will come around to being wheat, should we be faithful. Number two, the field is not the church. Heresy is not, um, should not be allowed to exist in Christ, one holy and Catholic apostolic church. Now it does, and it will until the end of time, but this parable is not an excuse for us to be light theologically and let good enough alone. This parable is not given to the disciples to say, this is what the church is. No, no, no. The field is the world, not the church. One uh, preacher has said that we are called not to clean the lake, but to fish in it. It's God's job to do the cleaning and to do um, the judging at the end of all things. Number three, some of you, I know this because I've counseled many of you, you're despairing right now in your life. Wherever you find yourself, you're despairing and your faith is, is vacillating maybe at best or is just a, a, just a flicker of a flame because you see the evil in the world, you see the weeds growing up around um, you and your children, you see even these, um, as Jesus says, uh, that the evil one not only sold, sold evil, uh, evil people, but things that lead to evil, you see that in others' lives, even your, the life of yourself, and you despair. Let me move you to two things. Pray first and trust second. Pray and trust in that wonderful epistle reading from Romans 8, which I think is one of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture, St. Paul tells the Roman church, remember, he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, that is you and me as wheat coming up in the midst of evil and of weeds, and yes, even of thorns and thistles, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Beloved, pray. Trust. Pray to God. Pray to God for those that are unrighteous, that have departed the faith, for the weeds. Pray for them. Knowing that it's not through your force or power that they will convert nor is it through your force or power that a utopia will be created here in this society before you die. I've got bad news. Society has tried that for centuries, and it won't work. We rest assured that God in the end, and we trust that he will judge and bring all things to fruition. Finally, this. Beloved, don't be distracted by having 
to pull out all the weeds that you see around you. Because with this distraction comes despair and a lack of faith because you see what's in front of you. You see that the world is evil and that it's going to take God and his gracious judgment um, to fix it all. Let me conclude uh, this morning with a quote uh, by one of my favorite uh, theologians, uh, Helmut Thielicke. Helmut Thielicke was a German theologian writing around the same time as Karl Barth. I prefer Thielicke for a variety of reasons, no offense to Barth uh, himself, but Thielicke was a great man, a great preacher, and listen to what he has to say, and I'll close with this. May the Spirit use it. He's writing on our parable. You see, the last judgment is full of surprises. The separation of sheep and goats, of wheat and weeds, will be made in a way completely different from that which we permit ourselves to imagine. For God is more merciful than we, more strict than we, more knowing than we, and in every case, God is greater than our hearts. But one thing is certain, And that is that Jesus the King will come with his sickle and his crown. Then our sickles will fall away and all of our false and illegal crowns will drop from the men's heads. Then all will be changed and everything will be different. Yes, utterly different. May Jesus give us the grace of the long view and the calmness to live confidently in the name of his victory until one day he shall say to you and to me, and for all those sheep and wheat for whom we have interceded, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Amen.